0: and welcome to a brand new episode of, um, of, it be like that, wee! Oh, um, yeah, it's me. I'm alone again. So this isn't a live stream. We didn't do this. I didn't go on Twitch or do anything like that because Patrick has left me alone for Disneyland. Uh, He and the wife and uh, the fam all went down to L.A. And they're all going to Disneyland. It's part of his little vacation that he's got going on, uh, along with, you know, Crystal, Angelo, all the other crew. So here I am, left by myself. I am alone. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, we're here. Uh. Well, I'm here doing this. And uh, so it's going to be probably a little bit shorter than normal. Uh. You know, not the hour-long episode, but maybe, you know, I don't know. 30 minutes more. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with this. But we're going to just talk about a couple things. We're going to do the NFL picks this week. Then we're also going to talk, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about Wakanda forever. Sorry, it seems like I got something in my throat here. Uh, And then I want to do some Disneyland stuff. Since he's at Disney, I want to be kind of at Disney. Not really. I mean, my wife is the bigger Disney head than I am, uh, which is perfectly fine. She loves going. Actually, she's been there in the last month, like three times, which is crazy when I think about it. Um, But you know, I do my own little things outside of it, got my own little October, you know, little vacations going on and everything like that, and got some other things planned, uh, hopefully the next couple weeks. It's weird, because I've been thinking about going back and going to see some more concerts and stuff like that. And I'm looking at who's around. And uh, the only band that I could think of that I really want to go see is Steel Panther, who's coming around in January. Then I realized, Oh, I can't go to that show. Why? Because it's on January 5th. January 5th? But that doesn't seem that bad. Uh, well, January 5th also happens to be the start of CES. So I get to go back to Las Vegas in January and go work for a couple days in Vegas. Uh, And I cannot see Steel Panther. I would love to see a show in Vegas, though. So I'm going to actually look around and see what is happening. What's the haps going on in Vegas? And see if there's any like live music or something I can go to while I'm there. And enjoy some time away, you know, while I'm I'm out, see a couple of different arenas, you know, maybe even there's hockey. I could even go see a hockey game out there if there's anybody playing that's worth a damn. Uh or if they're even playing during that time, which might be kind of fun. So we'll see. We'll see what happens then and out in that area. Otherwise, I'll probably go see some random show. I always like to do something when I'm there for CES. There was a place I remember when you know I'd been there in the past. We haven't been there the last two years, one because Covid and they did the whole virtual CES, which was a complete shit show. And then last year we decided to opt out of it because there wasn't a lot of people there. But it sounds like it's getting back to normal, so we're all going back to CES and we're going to be in the big building this time, which I'm very excited about. One, because I think it's easier to actually get cars uh, and Ubers to go there. And two, because you know we get to see all the other cool stuff that's around. That's like where like the big stuff is in that. So it might take some time get out of my booth for a little bit, go see a couple of things and really try to experience CES rather than being in the sands, which is not bad. It's just not what you would expect to be when you go into that area. So hopefully, you know, it's a good show this year and I get to see a lot of cool stuff. I definitely want to go by the Sennheiser booth because I want to see what they're doing in terms of audio and uh I'd like to get a couple of things. If Rode's going to be there, I'd like to also go check out Rode. Because they make this awesome pod mic that I use for the podcasts and everything like that. And I'd like to actually get maybe a second one for Patrick. You know, if I don't get, you know, maybe upgrade this one and you can add my own mic. But, uh, you know, that's just the way that things go when, <laughs> when you're the one that has the equipment. You get to use all the cool, nice, like fancy stuff. But nonetheless, so yeah, it's just me this time. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot going on. I think for either of us, really, it's just for me, it's been a lot of fucking work. And I know that he's been bogged down with a bunch of things. Luckily, last weekend, I had, you know, a three-day weekend. It's weird. Three-day weekend, full week, and then a four-day weekend coming up, of course, with Thanksgiving coming up next uh, next week. There was one thing I really want to do with Patrick, but maybe i do it afterwards. I want to do pie versus pie to see if he knows what is the most popular pie uh, for 2022 And uh, we might do that on the next one, or we might do something that's a little more, I don't know, Christmas-inspired or something like that, because we're now getting into the Christmas months. Speaking of which, I need to schedule that time with Dave to record uh, the bonus episode of the Terrible Terror podcast that we do every year, which uh, the Christmas episode this year should be a lot of fun. So nonetheless, here we are. We're talking about this stuff. And uh, so the things I want to get through today is I want to talk about our picks, of course, for the NFL. Sorry there wasn't one last week. There was a bunch of confusion of things getting done, and I, you know, I think that Patrick had recorded it and sent it to me, and then I just never really kind of, I got caught up in a bunch of other stuff, so we didn't have our picks for last week, so I want to do that. I want to talk a little bit about Wakanda Forever. We did go and see that, so I want to do a little bit of talk and... Uh, try not to be spoilery, but talk about the things that I liked about it, things that I didn't like about it and kind of like what my final stance was on it. And then I want to talk Disney there. So there's two different ones that I want to talk about. I do want to go through the list of what is considered by people via Ranker, the best Disneyland rides that are out there. And we're going to look at the top 15 of those rides. And then the other thing I want to talk about are 15 rides that are no longer available that people still miss. So I want to do that first before we get into the best rides since, you know, Patrick's going to be at Disneyland for everything. So we'll go through that and then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll just end the show and we'll we'll figure out what we're going to do for, for the next episode. The next episode, we'll definitely be back together. We'll definitely be recording. We're also trying to figure out a time because we want to bring on the PTO Unlimited podcast. Those guys over there, Alex, Josh, Brett, and bring it all into an episode of the show, whether it is going to be a live show or it's going to be uh pre-recorded and then we're gonna put it out as a live show then we'll do that we'll, we'll figure something out but definitely we want video and audio for that and so it'll be available to you guys as soon as we can work out everybody's schedules since it is a little rough with some of us in terms of what days we can record and what days we can't record and who's streaming when and what's streaming whatever and trying to keep up with all of our schedules for that so Why don't we just go directly into the football picks and let's talk about this season of the It Be Like That podcast. So it has been a fucking wild race so far with everybody going there. Uh, You know, our top person in the league right now, which I believe is Brett with CRZ. They have 649 points, and then Ben is bringing up number two with 647, so it's a two-point swing between first and second. Then we got me. I'm sitting in third right now with the uh, Thursday game that went on. You know, uh, it's kind of mixed. I think three of us picked Tennessee, and then everybody else either, well, you either didn't pick, which make your goddamn picks, um, or they picked green bay cuz they thought that green bay was going to come back, bounce back, but i just didn't see tennessee losing that game. To be honest with you, i just think they're the much better team offensively. You know, green bay is just not there this year. They really don't have the weapons. You got a great quarterback, you got a good pair of running backs, but you have no wide receivers. You know, what is it? Lazard is your number one. He's okay. He's not the best, but you lost most of what you got and you got like Sammy Watkins, who's solid. But he's not been very good this year, and he's been injured this year. So and then you got a bunch of rookies, and I'm just kind of like, uh, eh. got Tunyon back, but that's not really like a big thing. So I just didn't see it. Didn't see it happening. And then they lost by I think by 10. I think it was 27-17 was the final score of that game. So that's why I'm in third currently. And then you got Patrick, who's only four points behind me with uh six thirty-six. Then you got Mr. L, who is tied with Patrick, who is also only four points behind me. And if you look at the win-loss records, we're all actually relatively good, right? The highest wins in the lead does happen to be Brett, eighty-four, for being the top of the league, eighty-four and fifty. And then you've got the angry dad. Actually, you've got Mr. L. You got Josh, who's won seventy-nine games, but the confidence points is what's kind of been screwing him in his points. But he's only, uh, you know, he's only about eleven points behind. You know, number two in the league, and he's only four points behind me. And so he has 79. Uh, angry dad is 78 i've got 77 patrick at 75 so this year you can't complain that uh he has more wins than me but i've got more points than him cuz right now i have more wins than him and i have more points than him uh, for this round and then you've got uh, alex cute kitty who's at 630 she's 10 points behind me for number 3 but she's only 6 points behind both patrick and josh so it's a very tight race and then you've got in in 75 wins is the same amount that patrick has that's going there. And the one that's kind of weird in the in the league with the third well, not third most round wins, but the next most matter wins is Brig at 74 wins, but he's only got 567 points. Like he is well down there. So the the guys that are kind of at the bottom, you know, Ito has a chance at five ninety two, but he's at number eight. Brig and you know, Quentin down there at four ninety-five. I don't think Quentin really he like needs to have us to have completely terrible weeks and constantly get zeros and be able to drop a zero uh, to move us around. Uh, but I know that he's a busy, busy guy and he's been busy the last couple of weeks. So he doesn't have uh, you know, it's going to be hard for the people that are in the basement to come out of there. Um, and, and even Rick at six twelve, those seven, eight and nine, they have a chance, but it's just a matter of, can they get into the middle of the pack? Are the people at the top of the pack going to have really bad weeks and we'll see what happens there. But right now, I mean, the it's really anywhere from one to six, it can swing dramatically if somebody in that grouping has a terrible week. So like I said, between first and third, it's only nine points, and which is not that bad at all. And it's 19 points between first and sixth. And I see things kind of moving around within the next couple of weeks, and we'll see how it happens. Now, you know, for me, I'm just trying to beat Patrick, and Patrick is just trying to beat me. So, you know, I'm trying to keep the streak alive, kind of keeping the dream alive, and Patrick is trying to break my streak. And uh, I, I really am like that race for one and two. Ben is just fucking killing it this year. Brett is fucking killing it this year. And again, for the first year doing it for both Alex and Josh, they're doing fantastic. So, you know, I I love this this version is pick them a little more than fantasy for me because I don't have to min-max my players and constantly watch and constantly drop and gain and stuff like that. And then you know trades and everything like that. But picking the games and with the confidence points, like this is where it gets really fun, and especially if the points are so close to the end of the year and you don't know, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl, because we pick points all the way up to the Super Bowl, and it could come down to the Super Bowl on which team wins and if you're going to get those last bit of points that you really need or you decide that you know you're going to go against the grain, you go for the underdog, you lose it, or maybe you win it because everybody's going with the guaranteed one. And then you get the amount of points that brings you into the next round. So, and and even then, if, say if it is that way, and like right now, between, uh, you know, Brett and Ben, it's 38 drop points and 34 drop points. 34 drop points for Brett, 38 for Ben. And if you get down to the last game and they have no zero drop weeks, then that 16 is your drop, right? And in that case, it could, if they both say they were this close and they both picked the wrong person in the Super Bowl, and it was still only a two-point, technically, Ben would jump up. Because Ben has more drop points, right, at 38. And so he would gain those 38 points, whereas you know, Brett, he would, he would gain the 34 points and they would both lose 16. And then Ben would be four points ahead of him because he's gaining that extra week. Whereas somebody like between say Mr. L and I, it's a one point swing. So he would gain one point on me. I've dropped 46, he's dropped 47. And when we get into those playoff times, that's where the, the drop points really mean a lot, right? When we're very close, And who is going to gain the most out of those drop points if you get a zero or if you get a really low score? And in those last weeks, you're only dealing with high point values, right? When you get down to like the last, you know, two NFC championship games uh, or division games, you're dealing with 16, 8, 4, and 2, You know, or you get the last two, it's only 16 and eight. Those are the two point differentials that you're dealing with in those leagues. So it's going to be very interesting as we get to the end of the league, but enough talking about the way that the league is going, because we're at week 11 currently. And so we're going to see what exactly we're picking for this week. And uh, Patrick sent me it a little bit weird just because he sent them directly from the app rather than being from the page, which is a lot easier for me to read. So I have to figure out where everything is going uh, in terms of the picks and where they're at uh, for the games. So the first game of the week, of course... You know, I got it. Tennessee, he missed it. He picked the Packers on that. We got Atlanta and Chicago. He's going with the Bears, and I'm going with the Falcons. Uh, I'm not very confident on this pick, and he does have his thing is showing me his confidence points. So I'm trying not to look at those at the same time because I could be an asshole and be like, okay, I'm going to adjust everything from there. But I can tell you on that game that we're kind of at the same point. Then we got the Bills and the Browns. Both of us are going with the Bills. So Deshaun Watson is back, and but he's back in practice, and I think he's got two more games before he comes back. And I was thinking about this earlier because I was watching some like clip thing on YouTube earlier this morning on NFL films and some guys like favorite plays, and you know watching Deshaun Watson play when he was playing well, uh, he's you know he is really good. I'm not going to lie, and uh, if he comes back, and he comes back as sharp as he was when he last was in the league, uh, then I think the Browns next year could be a force to be reckoned with when we we get down through the games. We got, now, Eagles and Colts going on. Both of us are going with the Eagles on this one. Eagles, they fell into a trap game. They lost to Washington, but they needed to have that loss. I think that for a lot of these teams, because that wakes you up onto the things that, You know, maybe you need to work on, you know, you you worry so much, I think, about losing that game. Or you go the other way. You're so confident that you're going to beat these teams that you just get your ass kicked. They didn't get their ass kicked, but that's a game that they shouldn't have lost. uh, 100%. They should not have lost against Washington, and it made Washington feel a hell of a lot better. You got the Jets going against New England. Both of us are going with the Jets. So, so far, the only one that's different between us is the Atlanta game and, of course, the Green Bay-Tennessee game. Then you got the Rams against the Saints. Um, I am going with the Rams. I'm not super confident in that. I don't know if Mark's uh, you know, Matt Stafford, Mark Stafford, Matt Stafford is gonna play that game or not. And that's really what it comes down to. And I know Cooper Cup is, I think, out for the year. That's it. You know, he decided he's going to play the 49ers and he's going to, you know, get beat by them again. And then next week he's going to fake an injury and just not play for the rest of the year because the Rams are just out of it. Um, I'm joking, of course. It sucks to see anybody get hurt. Uh, But, yeah, he's going with the Saints. I'm going with the Rams. I think we're both probably going with low confidence on that one. Uh, Then you got Detroit. They're playing uh, at the Giants, and we are both going with the Giants on that one. So, so far we have two different ones, but I think both of us are both low confidence in those games. Uh, Then you got the Commanders playing the Texans. Both of us are going with the Commanders. I think that's a game the Commanders should win. I'm not sure what's going on with the Texans, but that's the way it goes. Then we have Vegas versus Denver in, in the game of the year, the bottom of the Western Conference in the AFC. The conference that everybody thought was going to be the hard hitters, and turns out that it's just kind of like the way that it used to be. And honestly, I will agree with Patrick here. I put a lot of that on the Raiders coach. I think that he doesn't know what to do with the team. I think that the the team is still set in the ways that Gruden had set before it. I think that worked so well for this Raider team and that yeah, and the and the rumor is, you know, with with Mark Davis being like, "I'm not firing him." Okay, I think he's doing a great job. The rumor is Mark Davis doesn't have the money to fire him pay him off, and then hire a new coach. That is the rumor that's going on right now. If that is the case, that fucking sucks for the order, the Raiders organization, right? It sucks for Raiders fans. And then this is not me talking shit or, or pushing down upon them because Josh, Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. He is not. He is an offensive coach. He is an offensive coordinator. He's a very good offensive coordinator, but he doesn't know how to bring the team together. You have such great offensive w- weapons. You, you know, Derek Carr... He is a serviceable quarterback for what it is in and, and, and coming in now, and, and he can make those clutch plays, and he's got a smart brain, and he's got a decent, you know, Hunter Renfro is a great wide receiver. Devontae Adams is literally the best wide receiver in the game right now, but if you looked at him this year, you wouldn't believe it, and that's because he has an offensive coordinator that doesn't know how to use him, but when he's utilized right, he is just tearing up that goddamn field, right? And and you got Josh Jacobs in the backfield. You have everything that makes a good offensive team. And what is not allowing this team to score? It's your fucking head coach. That's it. It's just, you don't know how to utilize what you've got going on and how to properly do everything. So the Raiders kind of screwed. I don't know who's going to win this game. This is another one of the ones where, you know, you know who Patrick's going with. He's going with the the, 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 the Raiders, right? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know he hates when I do that, but he, I just don't know. And and it's one of those things where you just kind of flip a coin in the air, and you kind of just say, which, which team you're going to go with?" I'm going with Denver. I am super not confident about either of these teams. I think the Raiders could go in there, and if they decide that, hey, we don't want to be last in the league, you know, we're, or we don't want to be the the laughing stock of this division. They'll go out there, they'll win that game. if They want to play and they want to prove their coach that, you know, you're a piece of crap and we're going to choose our own plays and maybe that's the way they're going to win. Denver, Russell Wilson has been a bust this year in Denver. I don't get it. I really don't because every time he plays the fucking 49ers, you know, when he was with Seattle, it was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to close my eyes and throw it downfield, you know, and so this also is probably coaching. Denver has a terrible head coach as well. So you have the two worst head coaches in the league playing against each other, not knowing how to use the strengths of their people, and Russell Wilson is not a Peyton Manning. Russell Wilson is not a Tom Brady. Russell Wilson cannot just control the whole thing because he has his faults that people have figured out, and he needs a solid coach behind him to make him a star like he was. Get rid of both of these coaches, get yourself some new coaches, or else you're going to waste the talent that you have around you and you need to know what they are. So I don't know. And Russell Wilson, he could have the game of his fucking life going out there and playing in Denver, you know, or I think they're actually they're in Denver this week. So hey, you know, they could win. I I mean, I'm going with Denver. I'm such low confidence. Honestly, if I could choose them both or not choose this game, but I got to get at least a point in at some point. Then you got Minnesota at Dallas. This is the game that Josh is going to I have no idea where to go with this, to be honest. This is another one. I really <coughs> Pardon me. I really have no confidence in this game. Uh period because Buffalo should have beat Minnesota. I think even Josh will say Buffalo should have beat Minnesota. The freak fumble at the end of the game, good lord, and then just, you know, not being able to fucking close it out Buffalo. I don't know what's wrong with you. Like well, th- like that should have been yours. Uh, you had dominance over most of the game. You know, Minnesota did play great. They did come back some fucking ridiculous catches at the end of that game to give Minnesota, you know, a chance, a fighting chance at doing it. And it did take, you know, it's you play to the last down. That's the way that it works. And honestly, in, the, in my mind with Buffalo, I would have took a safety, just take a safety. You can't, you know, or, or, you know, I think that they would have still had to kick back to them. Then Minnesota would have had to march down the field again and get a field goal. But, you know, you could have played it out in a certain way. And why try to do a quarterback sneak? Why not try? I know you're at the, the inch yard line, but use Singletary, use a play action, do something. Um, but that handoff just, uh, again, hindsight is 2020 and I'm an armchair quarterback. So what the fuck do I know or an armchair head coach? You could even say that. So I'm picking Minnesota as well. I'm not super confident in this game. I don't want to put a lot of points into it, but, you know, it's Dallas. I hate Dallas, so you can beat the fucking Cowboys all you want. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's in Minnesota, so Dallas is going to have their hands uh, tied, especially since, you know, according to everything, they should have beat Green Bay last week, and they didn't fucking beat Green Bay. And so the last games of the week that we've got here, we've got, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, playing Cincinnati in Pittsburgh, I'm giving this to the Bengals. Uh, and so is Patrick there. We're both. And he went with Minnesota too, by the way. Uh, but yeah, we're both going with the Bengals in this one. I just don't see, you know, Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they surprised everybody last week. They won last week. So there's a chance, but I don't know. I, they need to figure out their quarterback situation, you know? Uh, everything going forward. And then you got Kansas City at the Chargers and we're both going with the Chiefs on this one. Uh this is uh yeah, it, it, the fucking Chargers are beat up. They got even beat up more last week against us against the 49ers. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going to Herbert's a fucking monster though. Like the fact that he can still play and you can tell that he's not 100%, but he's playing so well. So, I I I if they get healthy and they get the right weapons, the Chargers could be a, a Big team, big team for the league. But we'll see what happens. And I thought that might have been this year, and it's not. It just isn't going to be this year. But you you can't waste the talent that you've got in Herbert, right? In Kansas City, they're just kind of rolling again. They lose one of their star wide receivers, and you can see that, you know, this is another thing. This is what they thought the Packers would be, Right. You lose your star wide receiver. You lose a couple of things here or there. But hey, you've got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers goes through, but he's so high in his fucking ayahuasca that, you know, he's not making good decisions this year. Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes also got Juju Smith-Schuster and they have some, so some good weapons and you have Travis Kelsey. It's hard not to be, this great team still. When you you have a great head coach, you have still some offensive weapons. Maybe not as good as Tyreek Hill, who's out there hanging out in Miami, you know, chilling with Will Smith or some shit. But you still have a, a good, solid offense behind you, which of course Aaron doesn't have over there in Green Bay. But still, he's able to make do with what he's got. You you should too. Uh, last game of the week, we're both going with Kansas City, by the way. Um, last game of the week, the Monday night game down in mexico city uh it is the san francisco 49ers versus the arizona cardinals the cardinals are the home team for some reason is it because arizona is so much closer to california is it because there's more mexicans in arizona than there is in california that's a fucking lie have you checked out the south uh, southern california um there's about as many in southern california as there is in the whole state of fucking arizona and there's a ton of us up here too both of us of course are going with the 49ers on this one um it It is going to be a weird game. I think Kyler Murray might not be there. I think it's going to be Colt McCoy. Oh, my God, Colt McCoy. I mean, the memes are kind of running wild right now, like our defense's worst nightmare, Colt McCoy, because he did roll us last year. Um, but we'll, we'll see what the game goes. Both of us are going with San Francisco. I have confidence in the team. The defense, you know, they had a couple of bad games. They've snapped back. Uh, is actually the second half last week where they only allowed 57 yards for the whole half and just dominated them. And the offense just, again, this is like, I feel like I'm talking about the Raiders when I say you have such talent there. Is it really Kyle Shanahan that doesn't know what he's doing with the offense? Because there are flashes of brilliance. He kind of knows. Or is it just the guys there just not performing as well? I don't know what it is. But you have such great weapons. Yeah you could say that it's jimmy g right but you can't say it last week and you can't say it the week before you know especially when he throws a laser to ayuk which is perfectly thrown and i just drops the ball right in the end zone that's that's on the player right that's not on that's on ayuk more than it is on jimmy g so I don't. Know, we'll see. Christian McCaffrey has been an awesome addition to this lineup, and uh, you know, with you saw it last week against <laughs> against the Chargers, where they just decided, oh, we're gonna run. Okay, we're gonna have here. We're gonna run Christian McCaffrey for a bunch of times, and then we're gonna run. Why is the name fucking escaping my mind? Uh, number 25, I don't know why the name is escaping my mind. This is me being a bad fan, but it's just either, but we're going to just throw him out there too. And both of them are gaining yards, like nobody's business. And it's just like, stop the run. That's basically what Kyle Shanahan said last week. Stop the run. We're not going to throw it very much. And also, you know, Jimmy G is like 10 and two when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass, which is absolutely crazy. So That's it for the football picks for this week. So I think I want to go through this kind of as quick because I want to get to the other lists. I know we're ready about 30 minutes and I could talk probably forever on these things. But uh, real quick, I just want to talk about Wakanda forever and the things that I liked about it, things I didn't like about it. I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to go through. Um, One of the big things that I did like about it was the story was actually pretty good. Uh, They did a really good job, especially with Chad Boseman's death, right? And in actually addressing that as something that, you know, happens in the world, the Black Panther dies, they don't say exactly how what he dies of, they just say he dies of an illness, which I think is very good in the way that it's handled. Um, I think that you get to get a lot of the culture, but I really feel that it became such a big part of the beginning that that's what happened with overbloating this movie. I think the biggest issue that I have with it is that it's just too much. There's just two hours and 41 minutes is way too much. And I think a lot of that has to deal with the fact that they needed to honor, you know, T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman. They needed to do that. Right. And it's just that that made it really hard. So that's one of the negative things that it's just too long. And also with the whole thing, commercials and all the other shit that they run before it, which if you listen to the Terrible Terror podcast, I go into that in the mini-episode, so I won't bring that back over here because I could rant on that for another 20 minutes. But you have all this, and then it just takes you so long to get into like the meat of the movie when we're trying to spend 30 minutes or more celebrating the life of Chadwick Boseman and celebrating Black Panther and, and the loss within the cinematic universe— it just it drags it a bit and and i know why they did it right and and i'm not saying that it's bad that that was done at all i think that it was done really well and it was it done. It mixed well into the story too because you have you know the nations trying to get vibranium and they think that they're weak because there's no black panther because you know if you watch the last one that you know all the stuff was destroyed you know the the purple flower root whatever it is that that you know turns people into the black panther or has them see their their past and everything like that like they don't have that anymore cuz she's trying to make it at the very beginning of the movie. This is not really a spoiler cuz it's the first thing that you see and you know she fails, which she's not able to save Shuri is not able to save, you know, her brother um because she's trying to recreate that so that Black Panther can get his powers back because once that Black Panther dies, that's it, right? You you're done, no more Black Panther. So it's very interesting in in the way that they said it. Now, I will definitely say that Submariner Namor uh is Absolutely, the actor Tenoch Huerta, he is phenomenal, and I'm so glad that they brought the first mutant into the world, and they actually use the word mutant. I I love it; it's great. Um, he is fantastic in this. I love the juxtaposition between, you know, uh, their his world with his his tribe basically, and the Wakandans and their world, and how they're approaching being like the the, the trying the the outside world trying to get the vibranium and what their approach and how it's different you know where the wakandans want to stay back and they want to hold on to the tradition they want to stay hidden and keep their technology and they, like they won't reach out to the world and help the world unless it really needs it but they they know what they have and they want to protect what it is whereas and, and they do it by just staying out of everything and not being involved where his tribe you know which again i i I know the place is like Talcon. I think that's what what the the name of the world that they're in um or the underwater city that they have. But um they're like, "Oh shit, they're finding out about us. We've been hidden for this long and we see the evils of the world. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out there and we're going to just kill motherfuckers and wipe the world clean. Like that's what we're going to do." instead so and and you get to like see the city and you get to see like the human side of him and you get to have them you know him and shuri and shuri is in between both worlds in terms of her attitude to what she wants to do to everybody on the outside that now that her you know her brother is gone but still has that wakandan in her you know and then it becomes what type of black panther will she be you know it, and and that's where the other part of the thing is is like again I. I love like denying where I can never say her name. Guria. I hope I said that right. She, Okoye is fucking awesome. Okay. Okoye is one of my favorite characters in the MCU when it comes to like, especially with Wakanda. And I think that there could have been things with Okoye that they could have done differently. I won't say what we all know who is going to be that black Panther. Right. And I think that that choice, they could have done something which deviated for the comics. Cause I feel that with black Panther, And especially with this, because we spent so much time with Chadwick Boseman and getting to know that Black Panther and doing everything for that Black Panther and, and understanding that Black Panther, that we didn't really get our time to build with Shuri, right, as she's going to become the next Black Panther. And that's what happens in the comics, right? She does become the next Black Panther. So it's obvious that it's going to happen, but it wasn't meant to happen this fast. And unfortunately, it's because of Chadwick Boseman's death. And that's, that's where this kind of, I feel hurts. Cause she's just not compelling enough right now because we've only seen her as a minor side character as a young kid. And she's just being thrown into this. It's like they, you know, it's in the commercials as well. Ironheart is here. And why is she here? Like, I don't get that. And they do nothing to tie that back to Tony Stark period. You know, it's, it's the Iron Man fucking suit. You know, she is re- basically being the female Iron Man and it's not, they just, they don't do enough, and why bring in a character that you don't necessarily need to bring in, and I know that we're getting a series on it, and, you know, that's going to be a direct, you know, sequel to Wakanda Forever involving her, and maybe then you're going to bring more in the Tony Stark stuff into that, or maybe it's just going to be like, you know, one of the shitty Marvel series that they've done. You know, because they're they're not batting a hundred percent with the TV shows. Okay, some of them are just okay, some of them are terrible, some of them are really great, and that's where like I, Wakanda Forever kind of skates those edges of being really great. To some things just not quite working so that it's just kind of mediocre. One of the things I can tell you that is really great besides, you know, Neymar Submariner is fucking Angela Bassett. She is the absolute, to me, the best thing about this movie. Period. She is strong as fuck in this movie, and I'm not talking about like strength strength, just her delivery and how she deals with the death and how she deals with Shuri, how she deals with everything that's going around. The scene with her and Okoe, you know, after they've been in America, after Okoe and Shuri have been in America, is ridiculous ridiculous how she has to restrain herself, but be the powerful queen and, and deal justice down. Dude, it is, it is so fucking cool. It is absolutely fantastic. And again, I'll say it once again, you know, when they say black don't crack, they, it is true because she is just absolutely stunning too in this movie, whenever she's on screen and just this performance, and I've heard that she's been, you know, it's a rumor that she might be nominated for an Academy Award for this performance. I say give it to her because it's one of the best supporting actor roles that I've seen out of all the movies I've seen this year. She is so good. And yeah, this would be, I think, the third time somebody has been nominated in this, you know, for an Academy Award for a superhero movie. And I know that people are getting tired of superhero movies and superhero shows because it's what generates income, what generates buzz, what people all talk about. It's hard to get away from this stuff. But at the same time, you can't just denounce her fucking performance in this movie because it's involved in a Marvel film. She is fan-fucking-tastic. Like, out of everybody on this this roster she's the one and i really like Winston Duke's role like Mbaku in this one i feels a lot more subdued than anything else and he's fucking cool he's just fucking cool in this movie and he is the voice of reason and i like where they're going with him at the end of the movie which again i'm not spoil and the stinger i think fits appropriately and i wonder in the stinger if if who the person is, is any way related to somebody else. Uh, I, I want to be kind of thing. Because it's not like a standard stinger where it's, you know, we're going to show you who what's coming up in the next Marvel movie, yada, yada, yada. No, it's it's specifically here. And it's another thing for Chadwick Boseman. And I like how the ending of the movie, too, there's like this montage, at least towards the end of it, of all these scenes of, you know, T'Challa. And all the things that he's done, and the power that he's left on the MCU, it's great. It 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 is really good. It is it is a solid three out of five. Um, when it comes to you know three out of five Black Panthers, you could say, I think that it's solid there. I don't think that it is in the the, the you have such good performances, but the length really kills it. I think there's some stuff with a couple of the CGI things are a little bit shaky. Um, you know, and then there's just some parts of it. Where I just, like, I don't know if this needs to be here. Like, it's cool, it's interesting, you know, but I I don't understand why we need to take this much time on it. And I think, again, a lot of it has to deal with the fact that Chadwick Boseman died, which I don't hold against it. But what I like, what Ryan Coogler is doing with these films and And what Marvel has done a lot of the times is that he is still grounding it in the world about Black Panther, but he's telling his own story. It's like he's writing his own comic book, and they're all following these specific beats that he wants to do and so i I definitely think it's worth a watch. I'm probably you know my rating on it a lot of people would be like oh that's uh, that's not good enough. You should boost it up at this and this and this, and the way that you talk about Angela bassett that that deserves more so Okay, well, then a 3.5. I can't give it a 4. I just, I can't. Because while I liked it, I wasn't, like, overwhelmed with it. If this was a scale of, of you know, 1 to 10 that I would do, I would put it at a 7. I Me, mean, Right? That's where I would put it. It's It doesn't deserve the 8. It doesn't deserve the 9 or the 10. It definitely is not in that area. But it's above average. But, you know, even then, I might scale it back to a 6. You know, slightly above average. Enjoyable. Good performances too long too muddled sometimes in the story unnecessary characters that don't need to be in there some bad designs i mean they even make fun of one suit in the movie which the design is not the greatest in the world and then some questioning things like like the the people of namor sometimes they're perfectly fine and and then other times they're blue you know, whenever they're on the surface, they're blue. When they're on the water, like, what is the difference? Is we just seeing them as is? Like, what's what exactly causes that? And then you see some other things that are like, okay, so now you're doing this. And it doesn't make sense why. And even, like, one of the, the people questions one of his motives. And he's like, oh, it's just this is, just like, the bigger plan. And it's like, yeah, no, you got your ass kicked. Um, You know, those types of things. So, yeah. It's still, like I said, it's still worth a watch. I would have probably chosen to watch this on Disney Plus. And that's not just because, and I think some of the the bad taste that was left in my mouth, as I've talked about earlier uh, on the other show, is that it is that um, there was so many ads and and everything getting into, it's like 40 minutes getting into this two hour and 40 minute movie that I was already like kind of tired and beat because I'd worked all day. We're going to see a six o'clock show. And there were, like, maybe seven seats open, maybe eight seats open the whole theater. And then you have the biggest movie of the year, and you have to do 30 minutes of fucking ads after doing your 20-minute fucking newbie bullshit. Like, which is basically now all fucking ads. But I don't want to get into that more. And then you got trailers. And then it's trailers fucking forever. Though I am looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I will tell you that. Quantumania looks great. So, so that's my, my little chat and probably, you know, next time Pat's on, I'll, I'll ask him a little more about his stuff and he can give his side of things. So last couple of things that we're going to do. So I want to talk about some old Disneyland rides that are no longer available that people miss. And I want to talk about the list uh, that people think are the best Disneyland rides. So if we look at some of these, these things that are out there, I'm going to try to see if I know majority of these, but these are only 15. So we'll, we'll go through them. So Uh, so we got first on, on the bottom number 15, this is rocket rods. And these are what replaced the people mover. So if you've ever been to Disneyland Tomorrowland, you know, where the people mover was, it used to be up above it. Like they actually used to have these like spaceships that were up there and then they turned, you know, they, they got rid of the upstairs spaceships. They actually moved kind of in front. There's another ride. That's basically that, but it's, it's more grounded, but where the people mover was, They did these, like, cars that were meant to go fast during certain stretches. And then they would go along the people mover route. Not very good. Kind of hitting them. The Rainbow Mountain Stagecoaches. So, this was an area behind uh, the the big lake that's there, that's in Rivers of America, where you could actually go and ride in a stagecoach. Some people miss it. I never liked it. Um, Yeah. Then the Astro Jets that we were talking about. These were actually really high up in the air. These were kind of fun, but I was never really super into it. What surprises me is the next one, which was the Jolly Trolley, which was in Toontown. It ran, um, you know, and it was retired because of inconvenience uh, to the large crowds. Where the ride was retired in 2011. So basically, you could ride it in Toontown and would like move like crazily and kind of tilt back and forth, but it would run through the middle of Toontown. And when you got more people, it was hard to run that ride quote-unquote ride, and then deal with all the people, so that's why it was closed down. You have the Flying Saucers. Now, this is an interesting one, because this was in Tomorrowland, and it was like a bumper car, but it was kind of supposed to be futuristic, and it was just, it had a low capacity for loading guests, guests, and it ended in 1966, but the technology kind of used is kind of used in that luigi's um cars ride that's over in cars land in california adventure where it has like a trackless and they all just kind of move around like the idea that is used there is kind of there uh but it's it's just interesting in general i never of course never got to ride this because it closed in 1966 but people still pine for it i guess you got america sings at number 10 which i always used to love those types of things not being available in disneyland anymore kind of like partially upset me and make me feel mostly sad because like those were things that we'd go to because you'd be like out in the hot day and where could you go oh you can go into this the the rotating theater and go see america sings and you could sit there for you know 15 minutes or whatever it is of the thing and you're in the air conditioning and just kind of relaxing sitting down for a little bit you know especially when you're a kid you're tired and you get to go see these like there aren't those types of things anymore except for like the tiki room which still exists but yeah this was uh after the carousel progress left marland this bicentennial themed tribute to american music entertained guests from 1974 to 1988 which is crazy to think that it ended in 88 uh and that you know i got to see it luckily but you know it's not there These ones, I don't know what these are. The Mike Fink Keel Boats. And they debuted in Christmas in 1955. And they took guests up and down the rivers of America for almost 40 years. So I think these are the smaller of the riverboats that go through. um, But I don't know. It doesn't say when they're retired here. You got the Motorboat Cruise, which I remember these. These were really fun. I actually enjoyed doing this. And they were a boat version of Autotopia. If you know what Autotopia is, where the kids can drive the cars. But instead, this, you could ride a boat. And you could, you, it had a gas motor, you know, it didn't go very fast. They, everybody was on lanes and stuff like that. But I think they kind of just, you know, it was rebranded to the gummy Glen before the ride retired in 1930, or 1993. So it opened in 1955 and then it was rebranded. Um, it, it just, again, I think this was one of the like a fun, silly rides. Didn't get a lot of guests, but I think that they still use the, uh, the lagoons for a couple of things. You got the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train. Now, I don't know what this is. And this is a little uh, train that took you through the small mining town of Rainbow Ridge. It opened in 1956, and it was redesigned to become the mine train through Nature's Wonderland before it closed 1977. So this is something that I have never seen before. You have the Pack Mules through Nature's Wonderland. This is kind of also there. You know, it opened in 1960, ended 13 years later. But this was something that was in the, like, where the stagecoach and stuff was. I remember this one, and it closed in 1985. I think that I've only seen... They might have actually had this in Disney World still. And this is the adventure through Inner Space, And so it was basically a science-based attraction that would shrink guests to the size of molecules. And the rides closed in 1985. I doubt or remember if I've ever been on this. But I feel like I had been on this maybe in Disney World or something very similar. Where they shrink you down and they take you in through the whole thing. And then you have the Submarine Voyage, which... I went on once or twice, but my parents hated it because it was so claustrophobic, and this has now become... Uh, the Nemo ride, basically. And some people just missed the original Submarine Voyage, which it opened in June of 1959. And it took guests under the sea for almost 40 years before it got rebranded as the Nemo one. I think they improved the subs a lot. So it's not as hot. It used to be I remember getting in that it's claustrophobic. It's super hot in there. I have not been on the Nemo ride. But I heard that that one's actually pretty good and pretty fun. And you got the Carousel of Progress, which debuted at the 1965 World's Fair. Oh! And it would open later in Tomorrowland in 1967, and it was eventually moved to Disney World in 1973. So this is something that still exists in Disney World, but doesn't exist there. Number two. I know this one. I love this one. This one is scary as fuck. Uh, This was the Skyway. This would take you from Tomorrowland all the way over into Fantasyland, and you would ride over the top of the Matterhorn. And it actually go through the Matterhorn bobsleds. I'm sorry, but you can still get up there and it closed in 1994. It was there from uh, 1956 and almost 40 years. It closed. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's one of those things where I think that it just wasn't as safe as people thought. I know my parents didn't like doing it, but it was cool being up there and being able to see all the people in the park and see the stuff around. But my sister used to hate it, um, you know, for the whole thing. And then last but not least, the one that's most missed uh here is the People Mover, which I completely agree. I love the People Mover and I was happy when I went to Disney World, you know, a couple years ago and they actually had the People Mover still and I got to go through it and do the people mover again. And how exciting it was that was my favorite ride at Disneyland because you went through the Tron section. That was literally the reason why. And you got to go see, you know, all the people waiting for Star Tours. And you got to go meet. There was a robot from Star Tours in the background. It was always cool to see. I was such a dork with these things. But I always loved going through the Tron section because especially when you went to the motorbike thing, it used to make you feel like you're going super fast. So my parents would be like, you're not going fast. It's just the video. I always thought it was, oh, my God, this ride's so fast. No, it's one of the slowest fucking things ever. But it was cool because it was just completely immersive and you felt like you were racing with the bikes and you were whipping around corners, but you were just going straight. That's all you were doing. So I don't know. I really like the People Mover. It again, like that was always the ride that I was most forward looking to whenever we went when I was a kid. You know, it wasn't Pirates. It wasn't Splash Mountain. It wasn't the, Mat- the, the Matterhorn or, or anything else, Space Mountain. No, fuck all that stuff. People Mover, motherfucker. That's where it was at. All right, and so the last on this list, we're going to go through uh, the the top rides at Disneyland as voted by the people that visit Ranker. And so we'll go down to uh, number 15. We'll start there. Uh, honorable Mention 16, Star Tours, The Adventure Continues, and that's the current version of it where they use, you know, the 3D glasses and they do a bunch more with it. It's, it's interesting, and it's kind of like a lot more randomized, and they, they find the rebel scum. Like, that thing's kind of fun. Where they do these things, but it's still like kind of the original Star Tours. And every now and then I hear on that ride, they actually put people through the original one uh, every so often. All right, so number 15, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which has 741 votes for it. It opened in 1955 on July 7th, of, uh, uh, July 17th, 1955 is when it opened up. And it's based, of course, on Mr. Toad, and it's one of the few remaining attractions that was in operation on the park's opening day in 1955. The ride story is based on the Disneyland adaption of The Wind in the Willows, one of the two segments in the film, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. It's, uh, it's fun, and you, know, you go to hell in a Disney ride. So it's always entertaining, it's silly, uh, it's fantasy land, that's kind of where everything's at. Alice in Wonderland is number 14, which doesn't make any sense of so that. It's 741. Oh, it's total votes, but it doesn't tell you which one is up or down. Um, so there's 630 total votes on this, but Alice in Wonderland's ride is great. It opened on June 14th of 1958. This is also the ride, the first ride that my parents ever went on together when they went to Disneyland, and it was one of the first rides that they took me and my sister on when we were old enough to go to Disneyland together. So it holds a, you know, a, a big place in my parents' heart, at least but uh it's a great it's a great dark fantasy ride and it's always fucking i always felt like it like opened up when i was a kid but i think they did a like not just a redesign but i think they did like a repainting and everything and it opened back up when i was a kid and i always felt like it was uh, you know one of the first ones this one doesn't have a whole lot of votes and in fact i'm going to give it an upvote with this um it is number 13 is star wars rise of the resistance this is an amazing ride absolutely amazing. I don't say that very often on rides and things and stuff like that. I was just floored with how it looks, how it feels, the, the things. If you've never ridden it before, I won't spoil parts of the ride for you. But Rise of the Resistance is just like a chef's kiss of a ride. It is absolutely fantastic. Open in 2020. Uh, I've been glad I've been able to go on it and I hope more people are able to as well. And hopefully it's easier to get on than it used to be. Number 12 is the Disneyland Railroad, which I completely agree with. This is definitely a fun ride. What sucks about the Rise of Resistance, it only has 63 votes total. It should have more, right? But it's one of the newer ones, and it just has an overwhelmingly positive thing of of people that have voted for it. Uh, But it's still very low, and if they're just doing this by percentages, it actually should be further down on the list if it's by votes. So Disneyland Railroad, this is always fun for me to go on. This is something we always did at the end of the day as a kid. We would get on at the front, and you ride all the way back to the front, so that way you can go through the dinosaurs. That's that's basically it. I always love the Disneyland Railroad ride. Number 11, it's Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. I don't necessarily agree with this. Again, this is based on percentage. It's a fun ride. This, of course, is like basically the Toy Story ride that's in California Adventure, but this is that version where you're using the blasters and you're blasting all stuff, getting points as you're going through the ride. I prefer the Toy Story ride well above this, but we're talking about Disneyland, not California's Adventure. But I would not put this at number 11. Again, I think that's way too high. Number 10, the OG Star Tours. Uh, Star Tours is great. The OG is great. The current simulation is good. Um, it's just not, you know, I think that's better. Oh, I should say the Astro Blasters debuted in, uh, March of 2005. Whereas the railroad debuted in July of 1955. One of the first things it opened with Star Tours originally opened up in April 12th on April 12th of 1992. Uh, it is a very fun ride. You know, it closed in July uh, 27th, 2010 for allow its sequel. The adventures continue. The Hollywood Studios closed its attraction, brought it in. So that's kind of like the middle one, and now it's back to just being Star Tours. Uh, Number nine, we've got Peter Pan's Flight, which was opened up on, you guessed it, July 17th of 1955 when the park opened up. This is a good ride. It's fun. I actually prefer the one in Disneyland to the one in Disney World. Um, You know, it's the original uh but i feel like you get a better sense of air in i think you get a better sense of like the world in the disney world one but air and flying in this one it's always been a fun ride it's always fucking packed like ridiculously fucking packed and you you can be waiting for hours and hours on end to see this all right number 8 it is the jungle cruise what better way to celebrate uh you know bad humor by going on the jungle cruise, that's just the way that it is. The jokes are cheesy the everything out there they removed a bunch of stuff on the ride. you know that's not the same for what it is. I get it, I understand, but at the same time it's still a fun time it's It's a great ride to go on. I definitely would rate this higher. I think this is probably my wife's favorite ride. she's a huge jungle cruise fan. And I don't know about the movie. I'll just leave that one alone. Number seven, if you like getting bumped around like crazy nowadays, you could always go on The Matterhorn Bobsleds. I love this ride. This ride is great. It took me forever to ride it, but they really need to redo the track. They really need to go in there and they need to update everything so that it doesn't feel like your back is going to fucking break whenever you ride this thing. But the bobsleds are fun. Opened in uh, June 14th in 1959. Uh, it's the iconic mountain that you see in the center. They could definitely do an update with it. It is still a lot of fun it is not your traditional roller coaster type of thing, but it's definitely windy and fast when it needs to be fast. But it is so so fucking bumpy. It's it's hard to ride that ride nowadays. Number six, my mom's favorite ride at the park. Period. Indiana Jones Adventure: The Temple of the Forbidden Eye, which opened on March third of nineteen ninety five uh, this is still a fantastic ride. And, and if I remember correctly, originally it was like different things that would happen to the truck. They used to have like different kind of scenarios and now it's kind of the same thing because it was too hard with the upkeep of everything. But definitely, I agree. That's one of the better rides. Jesus, we're closing in on an hour. I'm almost done here. Number five, splash mountain, which I believe is my sister-in-law's favorite ride. Open up is July 17th of 1989, not 1955. Um, yeah this is changing over to princess and the frog though they've kind of gone back and forth on it again oh do we just keep it oh do we change it who gives a shit it's still the same fucking ride you just don't get to see brer rabbit anymore brer rabbit will be there he'll be somewhere you know it's i mean they're trying to get rid of all things of song of the south i mean that's just kind of the way that things go when you have that type of movie so if you haven't seen song of the south or haven't seen it in a long time try watching it again it's awkward Um, uh, but nonetheless splash mountain is a great fucking ride i remember when it came out i remember that ernest p world rode the ride and they had a big thing on the disney channel of, of ernest doing it and him going down the first drop and having like the oxygen mass as he went by and shit like that oh that was that was good times but splash mountain is a fun ride it's very good i try to go on it i'm not so much a winter person with this ride but summer oh fantastic Number four, so we're probably getting to some of everybody's favorites on this, but number four, of course, is the Haunted Mansion, which opened up on August 9th, 1969. To to think that it opened up so late into the lifespan of Disney is just weird. I always feel like this thing has been there forever, which, you know, even to me, it would have been there forever. I mean, it's 11 years, you know, after or before I was born. So, of course, it's going to feel like that. But the Haunted Mansion is probably a lot of people's favorite ride, ever i like when they turn into disney and the nightmare for christmas gets stuff in there but nothing beats the og and the the one that's in uh disney world it it does not compare to the this og haunted mansion even if that one was the first one this is the second one this one's so much better and it's because it's the one i grew up with uh i just i absolutely love this ride Uh, the haunted mansion is so much fun and you just can sing it you can enjoy it it's perfectly spooky without being super spooky for for the kiddies Number three, and they added some really cool stuff into it up top too. Uh, Then you got Big Thunder Mountain Railroad which is uh it is a fun. That one is is very fun. It's a you know, it's a roller coaster opened up on uh the day before my birthday a year before the day before my birthday on September 2nd of 1979. Uh it is uh you know, it existed it exists both at Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom Disney World, but here it is smaller than the one over that is in uh Disney World. Disney World's I actually like a little better and I like because because of the way they do the trains and everything like that. It just feels bigger for some reason and it has I think three lift hills over there. We're here. I think we got one uh, extra, maybe two. I always forget how many we got on this one. But Big Thunder Mountain still was my first like real roller coaster to go on, and quote unquote real ro- roller coaster. A lot of people say, "Oh, the ones that loop are the real ones." No, this one still. But it was as a kid. This is like you know my first roller coaster. Great theme roller coaster. It has a lot of turns. It has good speed. It's a fun one. Everybody should really love it. Number two, of course, this one would be on the list. And this is the one that people don't remember that it opened up in Disney World first. And then they had to figure out how to make it compact enough to fit into Disneyland. It opened on May 27th of 1977. And that is Space Mountain. Space Mountain is a great ride. And I love that they do all the theming stuff now around Halloween time. The theming with the ghost that follows you around. It's fucking fantastic. In the summertime, When they do, like, Rock, I remember going on it when it was, like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and they're playing Love Roller Coaster and shit like that while you're going through. It's so fucking cool. Space Mountain's great. It definitely loses some of its luster in Disneyland when you realize that everything is just a right turn, right? But in Disney World, it definitely moves differently because it was made in a space for, like, a bigger style roller coaster where, in Disneyland, they had to fit it within the Disneyland space. But it's still a great ride, and I, I can understand why it's some of people's favorite ride. And last but not least, uh, definitely my second favorite ride as a kid, and it it makes sense why this would be number one, but it's Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, this one, uh, it was opened up in 1967. This is the only one that doesn't have the specific day it was opened up, and it's fantastic. It's one of the best rides, period, Um, and that first drop is iconic, and I'm sad that they changed some things about the ride. I get why they did it, but you know what? sometimes maybe things just kind of need to be left alone and people, you know, I, I will say that that they need to not be as sensitive to some things, but we'll we'll see what happens. So that is it. That is this episode. It turned out to be an hour and I thought it was going to be shorter, but I'm talking about Disney rides and some other stuff. So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure that you check out the podcast available on Twitter, IBLT podcast, email IBLT podcast, gmail.com instagram iblt podcast youtube it be like that podcast twitch.tv slash iblt podcast when we are live on twitch we are live every other weekend on twitch and when both of us are readily available otherwise it is a solo show that is not recorded on twitch you can also find us in things like stitcher apple podcast spreaker blueberry facebook google play and all the other things that are out there patrick can be found on twitter at bigsolo 64 youtube solo 64 twitch.tv slash solus underscore 64 my tongue is trying to catch up with itself and uh you know check him out on everything else hopefully he'll get back into his other podcasts otherwise you can always follow him on some other podcasts and also follow his tiktok which i believe is also solus 64 as for me, you can find me on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast, though I'm not sure how much longer Twitter is going to be around with everything that's going like crazy right now, but I'm sure that it'll work its way through things. You can check out the two YouTube channels that I have, one that's Tulbert, that is all music, you can see there's a bunch of stuff that's available up there, and then you can check out the Terrible Terror podcast YouTube channel, which is all the movie reviews that are done for different things. The last one that was done is for Satan Slaves 2 Communion, which was so much fun that I had to do a spoiler half to a video. So check that out. Also check out me on twitch.tv slash terrible terrors, where you can watch me. I've been doing horror games on Mondays and then try and do some other games, some other times. And I might be doing some DMZ, later tonight with the boys uh well with Quentin and with Brig we'll see what happens later tonight and then of course check out the next episode of the Terrible Terror podcast which is going to be on Escape Room Tournament of Champions that'll be the movie for that one you can check out the mini episode that was released earlier today and all that stuff so uh, that all being said I don't know if there's anything else that uh I need to to focus on this time and uh I guess all I have to say now is, well. Hey, peace, bitches. She got down on Hells and News,
1: one ear against the crowd, holding her breath to hear something, but the dirt made not a sound.